<clears throat> offer some reflections this morning. It's really about um, full, fullness and emptiness. And perhaps when I say fullness, I could also say wholeness. You know, not, not, you know, complete, completeness. So in the that sutta I was talking about the other day, the lesser discourse on emptiness, and the practitioner goes through these various <coughs> jhanas and immaterial realms, and then even abides in the realm of the signless, which is the development of anicca, perception of anicca, as everything is just so ephemeral, nothing really sticks. And he recognizes he, even this is something that I, I've, I've made it happen. I brought it around. Whatever I brought around is constructed, conditioned. And realizing that, realizing that, really it gets kind of enigmatic in a way. there is a complete just realizing that just the six these six sense fields eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind and this is a complete descent into emptiness because what is gone is the sense of self been taken away. Realizing everything that has been done skillfully and perhaps necessarily is also just uh, something brought around, fabricated, constructed by volition. And realizing that there is a, a deep a letting go mm. and yet from this particular discourse it, it's not that one doesn't construct anything because of course the average person doesn't develop perception of earth perception of you know samadhi, jhana perceptions of impermanence but they don't descend into emptiness yeah. It's like um, abide in the realm of the personality, making things, doing things, controlling things, being knocked around by things, holding on to things, besieged by things. They've literally gone through and really given themselves completely to anything. Sometimes not because they don't, they don't know how to. Takes, takes some doing because the the structure of the system is not immediately apparently in our control we become persons we become personalities we, these things form in us 
as a result of being in this uh, condition, the sensory world. It's the way we handle it, manage it, meet it, because we're not arahants, we're not born as arahants. So these systems get constructed to somehow create past and future possibilities, histories, strategies, um, all that kind of stuff to keep it, keep things rolling along. And that's exactly what it does. And that's samsara rolling along. So when we meditate, we begin to get a feeling. Well, many kinds of things come up for us, don't they? But perhaps one of the most uh, common ground thing is realizing this kind of this personality form, its voices, its wantings, its opinions, its bickering, its covet desires, its illicit pleasures, its fantasies, its dreams, its visions, it's all just a bit, you know, I've done this. <laughs> it rolls on and on, but it ain't, it ain't going anywhere, you know, far from on and on. And, uh, you know, we can then get into aversion and conflict, but that's just more of it. More rolling on, more yada yada, hating yourself, being fed up with yourself. It's all just more of the dog chasing its tail. So, uh, we, so we come, we have to come into a wholeness. So personality is always separate separated from aspects of what is intimately experienced. So, you know, pretty basic piece of understanding, isn't it? You know, you've got a, when you meditate, it's your personality form, and there's these kind of energies that are pushing against it. It doesn't behave, things don't work properly. It's a realm of inner conflict as we meditate. Not necessarily severe, sometimes extremely severe, sometimes mild. You know, trying to hold it, make it dukkha. So a sense of the split occurs between, you might say between I am and between the meanness. Between, and uh, I guess for most folks it's just dealing with those is their lives. You know? And if you can't deal with it, you take some medicine, medication to help you deal with it. The overwhelming feelings, emotions, big problem now. Um, so, in, you know, meditation. You're actually one of the themes that I do emphasise is is staying connected. That is, you actually instead of trying to form a connections, where through no real fault of your own, just through these endemic traits. There is, there is this splitting, this tension, this frustration, it's trying to manage. And so we actually connect to the, you might say, the witnessing mind, that which is able to point and think and consider to the bodily sense and to the heart sense, the emotional sense, the emotive sense. But which I don't mean just purely emotions like love and hate, also means like faith and um, willingness and aspiration, 
and despond, you know. So it's, it's the holy motive effective realm. You're trying to connect all those three, even though they do roll along in a very uh, uh, uncomfortable manner sometimes, because they're not they're not the, the little zone we've we've managed to colonize, you know. Our personal realm, they're bigger than that. So she's just forming these links to the body. Bodily sense, obvious bodily sense, and the subtler bodily sense. Subtler bodily sense means like the tensions or the looseness or the bits you've forgotten about, you know. The area underneath your chin, you know, place in your throat, the places you don't normally, you may feel your body as knees and back. For example, so you just feel the whole thing. And that coming into wholeness, to me, is what um, you know. This is what uh, jhana is about, samadhi is about. Mm-hmm. Well, this the the gate, the doorway to it. The Buddha. Saying, you know, like sensitive to the entire body, steadying, calming the entire body. Some people can't handle that. Say, so, well, he means body, he meant um, the body of the breathing. Uh-huh. So, why didn't he say it then? And when he says suffusing the entire body with the, so every pore, every pore, Every piece of the entire body is saturated with, with uh, rapture and ease, born of detachment. What do you think that body is? Either Buddha was a bit dumb, or got it wrong, or he meant the body. You know? But for some people the connection to the body is, is, is maybe threatening or something. You have to feel all these physical feelings, all these energies. So what can happen is you get dissociation when you drop it. You go into some dissociated space where it's quite, quite nice. You know? And I guess most of us do that to a degree, but it's not complete dissociation. We, we like to read things, think things, daydream, you know, get out. Some people it's much more radical than that. Somebody's writing to me the other day and saying, well, you know, I don't seem to get these little lights. Not lights when you, you're supposed to have a little light in your mind when you go into samadhi. You know, I just feel kind of warm and soft and expansive and peaceful. I don't get these little lights, so I'm worrying about it. So I say, well... What do you want to do? Do you want to get lights or do you want to be warm, warm expansive and peaceful? <laughs> oh, so, uh, I think I'll go for the warm expansive and peaceful. <laughs> yeah, so some people get little lights maybe when they practice, but the Buddha didn't mention anything about little light, light limiters. So again, Buddha wasn't a very good teacher of Buddhism, was he? He missed out these essential pieces. But he did say you feel you know, warm, expensive and peaceful, which is what this woman was feeling. And then the whole issue of her was just doubt around believing in 
you know, something she's supposed to be having that she wasn't having, which other people may get, I don't know. So it's, it's to me, you know, what really fits is the sense of connection, because then it's got a it's got a very deep meaning to it. This isn't just about going to some interesting little space, Madame Tussauds or Planetarium, where you can look at nice little interesting signs. This is about, you know, I think it's an escape route. I think it's about coming to wholeness. Coming to wholeness so that there could be an emptying of doubt, an emptying of views, and an emptying of this notion. The person who has developed something, got something, you know, or not got something. There's an emptying of that. So looking in the Satipatthana and its sutta, this interesting refrain, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but gives you a map, if you like, or a template. Contemplate the body as a body. So you go through these various ways of looking at the body, you know, breathing in, breathing out. Corpses, the whole trip, you know, everything you can see about a body. So you see all these ways you can look at the body internally, externally, (coughs) your own, other people's bodies, various forms coming up in the body, sensations, forms disappearing, or else mindfulness that that there is a body is simply established in him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness, and he abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That is how Bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as a body. Simply with a feeling. Same kind of thing. Spiritual feelings, worldly feelings, you know, sensual feelings or samadhi feelings, whatever they are. Feelings as feelings. By contemplating feelings in their arising nature or in their vanishing nature or both their arising and vanishing or else mindfulness that there is feeling is simply established to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness. This is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating feelings as feelings. Mind. Understands a mind affected by lust as mind affected by lust. Mind unaffected by lust as mind unaffected by lust. Mind affected by hate as mind affected by hate. Mind unaffected by hate as mind unaffected by hate. After a while you start to go deaf on these kind of refrains, but you get the basic thing. So various kind of states, then contracted mind is contracted, distracted as distracted, exalted as exalted, surpassed as surpassed, unsurpassed, unsurpassed, concentrated as concentrated, unconcentrated as unconcentrated, liberated as liberated, unliberated as mind is liberated, unliberated, so on, so on, so on. Mindfulness that there is mind is simply establishing him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness. Abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. The Sarabhikku abides contemplating mind as mind. So, you know, although that's it's kind of sketchy, but you get the basic picture. The whole lot. Good feelings, bad feelings, wicked feelings, blissful feelings, terrible mind states. You know, 
mind states that one doesn't approve of, mind states that one sincerely approved of, mind states that one longs for, mind states that one feels contented with and satisfied with, all is just this, there is mind, doing its, going through the hoops. Abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world, not clinging to anything, so not clinging to any of these states, not caught in any of these states, knowing mind, this is mind. And in that not clinging, not generating a sense of mine with it. This is how one abides, independent, not clinging. This is a very useful template. You're going to break down the theory, the words, get a feeling for it. Start with, you know, generally start with the body, it's easier that way. Uh, that's why I recommend that you get, because obviously all you're going to do is not your body, but your body is a really good way to get the sense of, okay, this is just the body. Okay, out there is just bodies. It's bodies. You know? And you can like them, be fascinated with them, hate them, depressed by them, but they're just bodies. They're just there. And eventually your mind stops doing things. But you're not avoiding bodies because you've got one. Oh, yeah, you seem to have one, something here. So, with that, there's a non differentiation in terms of body. There's an emptying of that differentiation, and you can accept and be present with body as body. This becomes really helpful, you know. I don't know when you get sick, I think quite a bit of sickness and illness this time round, and it's always present for us, isn't it, in the monastery, one of the ways things we offer to each other. <laughs> you know, back goes, or somebody gets a fever or a flu or something, and you're just pasted. And then you can not want to be this, and not want to be that, and try and pull yourself together and feel better than it, and, but eventually it's just, there's this, there is sick body. And you can you know, a number of times I've been laid out, generally my back goes, lower back goes, and then there is no way. The back says, this is end game, Suji, you ain't going nowhere. You can fight, you can rail, you can feel depressed about it, it don't mean a thing. Here's where you are, on your back, and you lie here until I tell, I say it's different. <laughs> And all you can do is just, you know, let go of the impatience and the I should be doing this and the why does it have to hurt and <laughs> feelings. And it's just body. And you can get, or you get quite peaceful with it, strange enough. You can kind of surrender. Just this body. Feeling, just this feeling. And these are the easy ones. Everybody gets sick. And naturally, we do what we can to avoid it. But everybody gets sick. Everybody dies. To say it, uh, you know, what upon one of the statements was, "Did you come here to die?" Because that's what you're going to do. You know, 
So in the old days, it wasn't a lot of medicine. I'm not advocating this, incidentally. You know, it's not trying to create some artificial situation, but just a reflection. You just have to be with it. And most of us, you know, with the body, it takes a bit of doing. You fight, you struggle, you resist, you try and be better than, but eventually some, and particularly like, so just Dutra was saying the other night, you know, you get these other things, you, know, you get things biting you, or hard flaws, eventually something in you stops fighting, complaining about it, and you just, something gives, and it's just that. <coughs> I was doing Qigong with people the other day and just holding the arms up, you know, holding the arms up for, say, seven, ten minutes, hurts. So what are you supposed to do about it? Say, well, just start to enjoy it, lean on it, rest into rest into the discomfort. It's not going to kill you. You know, once you put your arms down in five seconds, it'll be gone. It's definitely not damaging. And yet at that particular moment, I know what happens. Everything contracts, doesn't want it, fight with it. What can I do about this? Can I manage it? Should I be determined? Should I try and, you know, tough it out? Just relax. Go with it. Something gives up. These are the little bits, really. More difficult ones. And it's why you want to work on this, is to get that, that capacity, that, that almost gets, you know, ingrained. So it's even beyond your way of thinking. It becomes an, almost like physiologically established, as that's what the system does. It goes to the big picture and starts to learn to give up, you know. This is... Because if we don't, we just find struggle. Now, where it gets really crucial, of course, is in the mind. Mind states, mental feelings, emotions. Irritating things. Things not being the way we want them to be. Sometimes terrible things. So again, you know, the wholeness is to expand the awareness and generally what we're looking for when we meditate is a, is a, is a pleasant sign, you expand it because that's the thing you actually are more capable of doing going into an expanding awareness of that so you, your mind actually widens and widens and widens and widens and you come to a steady state and you get the hang of that, something is learned Buddha is a very gentle teacher actually he's giving you the easy stuff first because the difficult stuff comes by itself. And when the difficult stuff comes, one contracts, one blames, one denies, one fights. Yeah. So something's got to be learnt instinctively. Okay, just open wine and let it, let it go through you. And the first one is, isn't capable of doing that. So you're building it up, that capacity. So sometimes I tell my, my tiger story. Roll it out one more time. It's a nice little bedtime story on a nap. <laughs> Sitting out in the 
jungle in Khao Yai, Thailand, with my bit of plastic sheeting out in the open in night time. No candles, no light. Just uh, uh, completely no no screening at all. The sun goes down, the animals start howling. Jungle. Tigers. Everybody knows there are tigers in this park. It's one of their famous things. Yeah, the tigers, of course, hunt at night. Everybody knows, don't they, that tigers don't attack humans. Except old ones. Or sick ones. Or ones that have gone a bit crazy. Uh, can't find deer. So I'm sitting there and he's howling and shrieking and wailing all the creatures in the forest, realising things about their frightened out of their lives, being attacked by other things. And I'm sitting there in the darkness. I hear this rustling. Coming closer. And it's exactly the sound that an old, sick, crazy tiger makes. At <laughs> this I'm get convinced and I'm in my mind I think no this doesn't happen to me you know I've got all kinds of things I need to do yet and so on and so on and so on until this thing gets closer and closer and all the things that I reasons why it's not going to happen to me start falling away you know worrying about finishing my book (laughs) worrying about how do I do worrying you know Imagining it all falls away, and it's just uh, sitting there in the darkness with this one star in the sky, sitting upright, going rigid, holding the body, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, nothing to defend. This sound getting closer and closer and coming round behind which is the way tigers always come from behind. They rip your head off. I'm sitting there and the sweat. And this, my mind is going, everything is dropping away. Crash course in emptiness. There's just me, there's just me and fear. And eventually there's just fear. Fear that is so big, it's not even fear, because there's nothing there to name it as fear. It's just like a, like an electric charge, like being plugged into something. The body is on fire with it. And this thing touches my back and uh, everything stops. it moves away and and the world and a huge joy comes flooding in who knows obviously it wasn't a tiger but for me it doesn't have to be anything the point is the just experiencing the emotional state to the fullness of it.
till there's nothing left. And it radically changes you. I think because of that I was able to offer my head to these um, people who attacked me in India. I didn't really, I knew death wasn't going to be a big thing. Well, I didn't know, my head didn't know, but something in my gut knew. It's just, go through the door, everybody does it, perfectly safe. (laughs) A little bit of pain, but not much. There's nothing else to do. Not peaceful. But on the personality level, you, you don't. That isn't true, is it? It's dreadful. Of course, it doesn't always work for people. I remember the story of the monk in Daodam who got trapped by a tiger, got stuck somewhere, and the tiger was just looking at him. I don't know for hour, I don't know for a long while, at least an hour or two. The tiger just lining him up. And he just froze and snapped and never, never recovered. So it's good to have a bit of practice under your belt. How to widen, soften, relinquish, not tighten up. Tighten up your snap. Which is what many people do in, you know, towards the in the in the dying struggle. Most people do let go to a degree. Some people profoundly. So, you know, no, not, we're not always going to meet tigers. Many of us will meet fear, perhaps not on such an obvious kind of in-your-face thing. It's the nagging fear, the worries, the anxieties that are all nuanced, smell of it, smell of being left, being lost, not working, breaking down, get a whiff of those things. Hmm. You open up, widen, it's how you come out of the sankaras, the programs, that are built in to try to, you know, think they're going to save you from it. But they don't. It's all the manipulations and the denials that think they're going to save you from it, but they don't. So a lot of this is about coming out of sankaras, programs, patterns, personhood, into the wholeness of being, because that's the only thing that's going to be left and your personality will die momentarily and become again perhaps reformed in a wiser, more complete way through that, you understand it as a personality because you've been there when it went. We don't all get attacked by by uh, tigers, but other things. 
talking to a very dear friend of mine who's lost his wife recently. You know who I mean. So he was saying, you know, just doing some walking meditation and the grief coming up. It's like a cactus in the throat, getting bigger, bigger. And he just kept widening till it filled his whole body. And it was bigger than that. So he kept widening till it filled the space around him. And it was bigger than that. He just kept widening till it filled the sky. And it was bigger than that. And there was no more widening could do. And bits, something dies, something goes. And amazingly, you know, those times actually you, you wish you would end. It's just so bad, you wish you would end. But you don't. But your coping, your personality bit snuffs out. And it's actually can be horrible and also safe in a strange way. If you can actually consciously be more conscious of it, all of us will experience this bereavement. Probably experienced it already, touches of it, bits of it, parents, friends, loved ones. That terrible line that we blithely chant from time to time, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, become separated, become otherwise. All, even that, the last bit, even that. Sometimes a bit more, depending how how affected you are, really. for myself it's uh, process of meditation is maybe more deeply affected um, so the first one or two didn't seem to matter so much and your know, father dying parents dying there's absolutely no um, tricks one could play. And I think in those cases, your own dying to that is part of the way of honouring. And you come, something comes through, it's always changed. 
I don't know about getting over things, really. I think about assimilating it, becoming bigger. Less in charge, less intimidated, less busy internally at trying to fend off feeling, mind states, life. And the wholeness of that, the emptying out happens. There's no room. There's no room for little me. So when we practice then it's you know you pick up some of these some of these see most of these things are very much filtered into the worries and doubts and and uh all the busyness of the strategy, strategy mind, trying to organise life. So it's uh, you look into some of that. What you really, you know, what you're moving away from, what you're trying to move towards, you know, the fantasies. The expectations, what you're trying to move towards, what you're trying to, something you're trying to hold up as as permanent, as stable, substantial. Your fear, one's fear, my fear of loss, of chaos. Mm. And, uh, you know, this happens. It, it happens anyway. So, admittedly, you know, average untrained mind is very unavailable for this. To train. So I, you know, just train in the, the nice, easy way. You know, extending awareness over your body, keeping connected, holding that span through the fluxions and ups and downs of energies, changes of mood, just mindfulness and full awareness. There is a body, this is walking, this is sitting, internally, externally, those are people, those are bodies, just like me, you know. The atamayata, which means don't make things out of it. Don't lump or try to release witness and take responsibility for what we lump onto other, what we see as other people, and projections and so forth. It's just... You know, setting oneself up for more conflict, struggle. This is emptying. In the 
daily round. You know, the, the ordinary daily round emptying. Mm. But in terms of uh, practice, that's the that's the that's the course. You know, you get familiar with that, and you're familiar with the ways one doesn't want to empty, what doesn't want to empty, and holding that with compassion. It's like a frightened child. It doesn't want to let go. It desperately can't let go. You just be with that. The inability to let go. And for Charles, a couple of things he said. One was, you know, being a summoner, being a contemplative is like knowing you have to let go and 90, 90% of the time not being able to. You know, it's what it takes the compassion, the care, the patience, like, you know, a frightened child. So, okay, just steady. Can take a bit of time, slow, slow, careful, steady, you know, you're not losing presence, we're not losing awareness, you just have to realize that your personal world ends, you know, but there is a coming through.